Welcome to Documentary Die Hard, the show where three sports fans break down one 30 for 30 documentary each and every episode. Today we're reviewing Winning Time, Reggie Miller versus the New York Knicks. Uh, I'm Ren Clayton with Sam Anderson and Nick Rudolph. Guys, how's it going? Going well. Gentlemen. Good. Uh, I always like to talk, you know, just about stuff going on right now. We always talk about the NBA playoffs. There is this league that I want to mention to you guys called Athletes Unlimited. And it's like, it's just this kind of startup. And right now it's just uh, softball. It's like a pro league that just started a couple days ago. And... But the weird thing about the like unique hook of it is like they have this pool of players and they're going to eventually extend this to volleyball and other like a lot of women's sports, men's volleyball as well. At least that's the plan. But they're all like in one location right now like um, and they're it's like a small group of players enough to field uh, I think either four or six um, teams. I, I think four teams. Okay. And then they they play each other during the week, and and then there's this whole mathematical algorithm. You get stats points, and then you get winning points. And winning is just you get a you get a you know a set amount of points if you win, and then you accumulate them if you like um, over the course of the week for your wins. Um, stats points for like you know if you get a hit or a single, double home run, whatever. And then uh, MVP points, and like so, if you have a great game, then you're voted on by your play the other players. And so then, at the end of each week, for um, the four top point getters, all the points are combined, all the different three categories: winning, MVP, and stats. And then the four top players are, become captains and schoolyard style, and they all pick from the the whole entire what? pool of players. So each team gets scrambled. Um, every week, yeah. So there's no play like two or three games a week. Huh. Yeah, exactly. And the there's team names are just based on the last name of the captains of any given week. And it's super interesting. Um, it's like fantasy, it's so, like daily fantasy meets. Uh, yeah, you know, regular sports. It's weird. Huh. Exactly. That was like one of their like, like their pitches and like I think they're they're advertising marketing it's like it's like fantasy a little bit so then it's like um, a, it like takes... the purpose as the individuals of the league then okay. right yeah it, it takes the team owners out there's no team owners obviously because oh, teams yeah. are in flux um so it's just interesting it's like a really new thing it, it like the games are being broadcast on ESPNU I think so like they can be watched and it's right the softball right now one player i used to cover from hawaii is is like a, a pitcher there so like that's why i've kind of been seeing it wow. it's actually really cool the only thing that i thought of immediately after learning the rules was like the oh, big part of like these kind of sports they're all like team sports and so like it really takes the, like the whole building team like chemistry and stuff that doesn't really exist with this sure yeah, and then, like, it takes, like, the whole, like, drafting as far as, you know, coming out of college and stuff out of it, too, yeah. probably. And, hmm. Yeah, it's, like, a, I mean, it's kind of just experimental. I mean, it's it, it's already, like, a big organization, and they have plans for 2021 to do women's volleyball, and then they listed, like, all these other sports, like lacrosse and men's volleyball and soccer and stuff, but... That's cool. I don't know. It's just cool. Yeah, it'll be cool to see, just follow along and see what happens yeah. with it. 
I feel like it would be hard in uh, like more team games. Um, like I could see basketball being a problem or like football being a problem, problem if they expanded those sports just with like more uh, individuals wanting to take over the game to further their points type of a thing. So yeah, I would be yeah. interested like in that uh, like algorithm uh, to see how much like that, you know, like a team winning play. Um, yeah. Yeah. I am too uh, interested to see because like even baseball like I was thinking like who's their manager because I, I couldn't really find that on their site like who their coach is like if the coach calls a bunt and this person wants to up their points by getting like a home run mm-hmm. or whatever then like what happens because like they're all they're basically just focused on their success and so that's where it gets tricky especially yeah, with basketball like everyone just put up shots yeah right like, trying to score 81 like Kobe all the time yeah, yeah. So, what's that league called? It's called Athletes Unlimited. Athletes I think their website's like AU Sports. Like, if you just Google Athletes Unlimited Sports, you will find it. Okay, cool. We'll check that out. Um, yeah, I just went to their website actually today and just learned all the the rules and stuff, and it's actually pretty interesting. Fun. Hmm. Anyway, that's just what I'm think. Uh, I'm kind of following along right now with sports. Should we get into this documentary and uh, start with the summary here? Yeah, let's do it. So it's called uh, Winning Time, Colin Reggie Miller versus the New York Knicks. So it's about Reggie Miller, um, the basketball player for the Indiana Pacers. Um, This uh, documentary was aired first in March 14th of 2010. So it, we're, as we always, we're going in chronological order. We started in the fall of 2009. Now we're in 2010. Um, it's an hour and 11 minutes long, a little bit longer than most of the ones we watched besides the last one, The U, which was two hours almost. Um, directed by Dan Clores, Clores or something. And it really is just about Reggie Miller. It covers um, kind of his, his uh, entrance into the league, but um, mostly you know, a period of time in the mid nineties when he was going to the playoffs with the Pacers and they were playing the New York Knicks and the the rivalry that ensued between him and the Pacers and then the Knicks players, Patrick Ewing, um, John Starks and Spike Lee. (laughs) Um, And it really just kind of documents that and it focuses on the rivalry and Reggie Miller's trash talking, just, you know, the way he was, his clutch play and stuff like that. And that's really, uh, I, I literally just watched it. Um, but what were you guys' first impressions when you got done just watching it? Yeah, uh, I thought it was a good um, kind of, uh, what am I trying to say? I guess, uh, like following Reggie Miller through those years, uh, obviously it was very transparent. Uh, his his thoughts and his perspectives from each of the games, his rivalry, that sort of thing. Uh, they also had good interviews of the Knicks as well um, in, in focusing on that aspect of things. Um, I thought it was interesting how they brought in his, his growing up and, um, and everything with like his sister. Um, so I didn't, I guess I've never put together that Cheryl Miller is his sister. Um, and yeah, I've yeah. never put together that she was that good of a player too. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed those stories, um, you know, first and foremost. Yeah, I agree. I didn't realize that Cheryl Miller was uh, his sister either. But uh, it was just cool to hear 
stories about Reggie Miller, who I feel like is somebody who, you know, was a star, but maybe not one of the stars that we have learned a lot about as, you know, 20 something year old sports fans. Um, We always hear about, you know, Charles Barkley or Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson from like that era. And um, Reggie Miller was one of those really, really good players um, that was maybe under the radar a little bit, especially playing for the Indiana Pacers. And so um, I thought it was really interesting um, that he was one of the best trash trash talkers in the history of the NBA, they said. Um, Somebody described him as Mr. Potato Head on a stick, Mm -hmm. which I thought was hilarious that he just has this big old head and this really skinny body, but um, was was kind of like one of the better shooters um, of his generation and would definitely fit into today's NBA. So it was just really cool to see how this rivalry between him and, you know, the city of Indianapolis, um, you know, build against the giant that is the New York Knicks and and all the fans and, and stuff like Spike Lee. Um, mm-hmm. And so what do you think about it, Ryan? I, um, I really enjoyed the start of, of it. Um, I always talk about how it, like, you know, it needs to get your attention and stuff. And the beginning was super good, like how they – like well, the first soundbite was Reggie Miller, and so and he was talking about, you know, I, don't, I forget what he's talking about, but he, um, I, one of my questions was, it, it's it's about him. We know he's it wasn't that long ago. Is he going to be like a main character and being interviewed a lot? And the first thing off the bat was him talking in an interview setting. So like we knew mm-hmm. it was going to be him, but then like they went to that little prelude of like the opera music and like the intensity of the playoffs and talking just like about everything that went down and it was like super a super great hook to get us uh get our attention um and i, I really like that the uh, opera that music part. too yeah the opera music everyone was a big oh, fan yeah. of that <laughs> <laughs> that was the best um yeah the john starks um rivalry kind of game like or i mean obviously had a longer rivalry but there was a near the beginning of the documentary there was the game where john starks eventually headbutted reggie miller after reggie miller was getting under his skin you know talking trash as he always did and and doing some pushing and shoving and eventually but like that whole sequence was kind of in the beginning quarter of the movie and i thought it was really interesting and they had they really had interviews like you mentioned nick like with everyone that they were talking about so john starks was there um talking about it in the past tense and so was literally everyone involved patrick yeah. ewing and i thought that was really cool uh, they broke down it frame by you know frame by frame scene by scene plot point by plot point and i, I really enjoyed that part um it, it, i guess kind of went on for a while but like i really thought that part was cool um just to break down like an incident where someone headbutts someone yeah. And I've, it was interesting to see, like, Re- Reggie Miller be, like, so sneaky about things. And he was, like, the ultimate flopper, it seemed mm-hmm. like. You know, the guy who uh, really gets under the skin of another player and purposely does it, but then acts like he did nothing. And there was, like, that, that interview, I don't know if you guys remember it, where he's like, I didn't even say anything to him. And was kind of <laughs> laughing about it, like, I'm an angel. And he, like, and this reporter just, like, cuts him off. He's like, come on, yeah. come on. Yeah. Yeah, and he made a halo, like you said, Nick. And yeah, it was that 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 part was pretty funny. I thought. 
Um, the documentaries always do this thing where they try to con- contrast like the two characters, and like a main theme in this was contrasting New York basketball and Indiana basketball, mm-hmm. and they went in this whole sequence of, um, you know, the the New York arrogant basketball fan. They got the the parking or the park, you know, tradition, a street ball, and then like Indiana basketball, which is, like where the game was invented, like every you know the hardcore high school basketball fan and like the f- more farm communities or the f- communities shut down when there's high school basketball games, etc. Um, and they, they, you know, they did it well. The documentary produced it well with different music, different, uh, the editing was super cool. Um, and like, we see that a lot. And they even did that with like the coaches um, of the Pacers and the Knicks, mm-hmm. um, Pat Riley, uh, like was this, this like, you know, hard, like hair slicked back New York guy. I don't even know. He's probably not from New York, but that's just what they're kind of doing. I, I really enjoyed like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like the beginning to middle, like maybe the first half almost was like, it like was hitting a whole bunch of points for me. It was super good. And then I guess we can talk about it later, but I, I, I felt like it got a little bit worse as it went on. what do you guys think about just that whole, you know, you know, the two basketball like hotbeds rivalry. Yeah, I thought it was good um, or compelling comparison and contrasting. I feel like at least me growing up in Minnesota, I could kind of, you know, empathize with that a lot uh, with, you know, all of the sports teams and, uh, you know, whether it's the Minnesota Twins playing the Yankees um, or uh, you could even do the Minnesota Timberwolves playing like LA Lakers, like that sort of thing. It seems that we're always that small market kind of uh, going against the big market. And that's really what they kind of hung their hat on. Um, I felt like it kind of made New York look better than probably what it was even because um, I mean, they were still ruled by like uh, MJ at that time. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think we all three watched The Last Dance. And so, like, clearly they were ruled by MJ. And um, and so it was interesting. I mean, obviously, the, the doc had to uh, blow that up um, or blow the mix up, I mean. Um, but but there mm-hmm. was that little ass or devil's advocate position of me, I guess, uh, kind of pushing, point, pushing that point in my head. I loved how they uh, went into – you know, the 1985 draft and like how the rivalry kind of started. Yeah, that was very good. Mm-hmm. The last two teams in the lottery. So deciding who the first pick and the second pick were, were the Pacers and the Knicks. And the Knicks ended up winning. And this draft is huge because Patrick Ewing was the number one consensus, number one pick. Um, and so that kind of like started this rivalry, I guess. And uh, really set the stage for like Patrick Ewing to dominate for the Knicks for a long time. And then it goes into the Pacers taking Reggie Miller over Steve Alford, who was uh, like an Indiana raised star in college. Born and, and raised. Um, they ended up, yeah, born and raised. And everyone expected them to take uh, him at the 11th overall pick, but they ended up taking Reggie Miller. And at the time it was looked at as a poor decision. And then, um, it ended up being an awesome decision, and oh, that was the eleventh overall pick. I thought they had the number two pick, so it wasn't the same. They did, yeah, it wasn't the same draft. Yeah, yeah I went. I looked it up, and Reggie Miller oh. was drafted in eight, 
1987 because I, yeah. I thought to myself like wow Reggie Miller was the second overall pick and I didn't remember him being that high and so I looked it up mm. yeah and he, he was number 11 and then Steve Alford went 26 to the Mavs and be- yeah so I saw that and I was like wait the, he was being considered as the number two pick but then he ended up dropping 26th right like the Alfred guy and I was like okay well wasn't, that wasn't even like a considered but that makes more sense now okay right so I I thought that was pretty cool and like I looked it up and like Steve Alford he went on to you know coach at UCLA and stuff and have a pretty good coaching career but he only started three games so it was clearly the right decision to pick him and or to pick Reggie Miller and he became beloved by Indy yeah even though their hometown boy wasn't drafted Mm -hmm. do you you remember that old lady in the parking lot someone went up and asked (laughs) her a new station (laughs) <laughs> I forget what she said exactly, but she was just like, she was like, this is trash yeah. or something. It was so funny. It, it was. Yeah, she was probably like 75 years old. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, that GM's a dumbass. But that's how, I mean, that's how it is uh, in Indiana. I mean, I, I had a clinical there and I, I lived there for like oh, yeah. three months. And, and uh, I mean, basketball is everything there. And they're all very yeah. much uh, like home uh hometown focused or home state focused you know it's a classic uh, small market like us against the world type of thought um but you know it's that whether it's uh probably high school whether it's the high, big high school recruits in the state they got to go to one of the uh, or people think they need to go to one of the big in-state uh, colleges whether it's iu or purdue and um and there's that huge rivalry um, especially IU fans, uh, I feel like they, they uh, ha- have a little more ego to them as far as, you know, this is, um, or like they know everything about basketball. And I think they've had so much success there with Bobby Knight and everything. That's, you know, it's kind of bred that. And Steve Alford was, uh, you know, one of Knight's main guys too. So um, mm-hmm. I, I think that it was just like that whole thought kind of swept through it didn't. I guess what I'm trying to say is it didn't matter if you were a big basketball fan in Indiana or if you were a uh, Indiana resident. It was kind of the same, um, or one in the same. So, I was thinking it was kind of like the companion movie. Um, like if there's like you know like how Star Wars keeps making all these new movies, mm-hmm. um, and then they make like the Han Solo movie, which just kind of fits in the middle of some somewhere. So I was thinking this is like the companion movie. That fits in the bigger series, which is the Last Dance. Yes, and like, cause like, didn't it take place or one of the seasons? It's posted on like two post seasons. One of them was when Jordan retired, and then like Last Dance skipped over most of that, and you know when he went and played baseball. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's yeah, like, cause like you were saying, like this all takes place, but in the grand scheme of things, like the Bulls, it was the Bulls' decade still. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Because well, this covers the mid nineties well, or whatever. Didn't the two like playoff series between the Pacers and the Knicks that are covered in this documentary weren't those mm-hmm. taking place like in the two years that Jordan was retired? Basically, is that? I'm not one of so them one of them was, yeah. and then the other one was just in the first round, and so then they had to go, or the maybe the second. I forget how many rounds there were, but yeah. the, the next round was to go play MJ, and that's how the um that's how the doc ends which without even saying mj but i, I was i think we were all thinking it <laughs> um, yeah exactly i wonder if the second time was like his comeback 
like you know in the last dance when he comes back from professional baseball and like ends up losing in the playoffs i wonder if oh yeah i wonder if it was that oh i'm not sure yeah, yeah. oh okay that's like that's how I because when did like MJ first... like so he won ninety one ninety three, and then yeah and then he retired in ninety three, and yeah he played baseball in ninety four I know that yep and then so the first series was in ninety four I believe the first series between the Pacers and the Knicks and then I think the second one was the year after that so ninety five which would put it the year that MJ comes back and just, like, isn't in game shape yet and, like, where, where's 45 and stuff. But not positive on that. Not yeah, because MJ out. won in 96 and 98. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. It says here the Pacers beat the Knicks in seven games, then they pushed mad the Magic to seven games before falling in the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, sure. Yeah, and then I think that MJ loses to the Magic, doesn't he? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we got that. Yeah, so so that's uh or that comment about MJ ruling them uh didn't make sense, but but we I mean for that year specifically, but yeah. Right. Well if Um, anything it it tells you like I wonder if they were almost more eager because they viewed it as like, well, MJ's gone the first year and so they definitely want to win. They they finally think they have a chance and then the second year they know that he's not the same player. So it's like if you're ever gonna win, this is your yeah, and they mentioned it. that on some of the Sports Center clips that they had uh, with Dan Patrick, and and um, I forget the tagline, but it was something like, you know, basically taking advantage of of that moment. Then can't remember what they right. said. Right. Anyways, um, and one of the big stories in the middle of the documentary was the Spike Lee drama, yes. like the one game in the. This was the second series, correct? The two thousand or the uh, 94-95 season. Yep. Um, Spike Lee was always on the sideline for the Knicks, well known, still is, and he was just going drawn back and forth with Reggie Miller, and then Reggie Miller got hot and started hitting everything. Twenty five in the fourth quarter, he scores. Insane. That was in ninety four. And then like, oh well, yeah, yeah, that was the first year. Yep. And um. And then they like got into it. Like he made the choking, sim- like m- mimed the choking symbol with his hands, and then grabbed his balls and, um, <laughs> yeah. and like so they had this beef or whatever. Um, they went into that for a super long time. What do you guys think of that? I I thought it was awesome. Like, yeah, it would be so entertaining to watch as a fan, and it really just like shows how Spike Lee became so important because I feel like before that he was just like you know, a fan who sat in the front row and people know who he was and stuff. But this like really, he was on the front page of all these New York newspapers and um, he shows up to Indianapolis for game six and is talking about like in Indiana's connection to the KKK and like uh, all that stuff. And I, I just thought it really added a lot to the documentary and added a lot to what I knew about Spike Lee and his fandom of the Knicks. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of made Spike Lee uh, at least bigger, if not, you know, like, like significantly helped his image just because then everybody uh, paid more attention um, to him in, in future years and stuff. I feel like I only know him as a, as a basketball fan or the guy that's on the, on the court side and everything. I don't know what his perception was back then. Um, I, I found it interesting that he only got um, – or the first year that he got season tickets was right after Patrick Ewing was drafted um, because, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I only have viewed him as, like, this guy sitting courtside 
And so he seems to always have a staple and not that 85 uh, seems like, you know, just recent, but um, it just seemed like, Oh, I thought he would have had them before that. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess like as far as the feud between the two, uh, my like uh, most thoughts Mm -hmm. of that is basically just like, wow, the NBA seemed like so much cooler back then than it does now. (laughs) Okay. So for me, I, I thought it was annoying. I thought it, it reminded me of remember when Drake was making a fool of himself oh, in yeah. Toronto. Uh-huh. That's what it reminded me of because Spike Lee would always hop up and you know flap his towel and like, and then you'd look over when they were losing his Knicks were losing and he would just be like saying, "Come on, let's go." It just like and there was the one soundbite from one of the players, the Pacers players, where like there's that one guy when you're playing pickup that was like stands in the corner and just chirps and can't play. And it just, I don't know, it annoyed me. And it wasn't just Spike Lee that annoyed me. It, the whole back and forth of Reggie Miller kind of annoyed me. Um, sure. I mean, I see where you guys are coming from. Like, it is it is super entertaining. And, like, if I had watched that, I'd be like, what? He just did that? But, like, so, I don't know. It just, I, it just was a Yeah, circus. so I guess I, that's a really good point. Because I was only seeing it through the um, perspective of Reggie Miller versus mm-hmm. Spike Lee. Not necessarily Spike Lee. You know, with the Drake, pers- uh, you know, personality on the court, I wasn't really viewing if I was a fan, if I would have liked him necessarily. Yeah. I would have loved Reggie taking it to him. I, I mean, like <laughs> you're saying about Drake, I hate that for sure. Yeah. So like, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good. That's a really good thought, the Drake thing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and I feel like they just spent so much time yeah. on it, and that and that kind of gets into one of my big issues with this documentary is that um it's for yeah i don't know it that like at that point it spent so much time on that and then they like they i felt like they needed to spend a lot of time on that because there wasn't actually a ton to the documentary after that i mean they went into him finally you know it ended with him ultimately beating the knicks in the playoffs um but that was really all it was, just him versus the Knicks, which obviously that's what the documentary is called. But it, I don't know. It just felt like a little, like not enough like plot points for, for to be satisfied. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts uh, after watching it was like, well, that was good. Or I guess during watching, I'm like, well, this is good. But this is all like during the first round or the second round of the playoffs. Neither yeah. of these teams <laughs> yeah. won anything. Not saying that nothing matters if you don't want a championship, but uh as far as documentary that was like one of the biggest complaints i had as well was that this didn't really amount to anything like we got to learn Mm. um, more about reggie miller's um uh, trash talking and his play and things like that um but it didn't really amount to anything and they left that out of that documentary for the most part i mean they didn't say like oh yeah the knicks won but then they went on to lose to the rockets in the nba finals or you know, right. they didn't they didn't follow it up with anything. It was just kind of like, oh, the next year this happened. Yeah, I, I had that same thought where I thought, yeah, they're they're deliberately just leaving out, not deliberately, but maybe just carelessly leaving out stuff that would have rounded out, like information that would have rounded out the story. Sure, I get where you guys are coming from, but I I think like it it's cool that they told this story even though it wasn't leading to a championship like i think it was a story worth telling and a story worth a documentary in my eyes and 
I think one of the complaints that I've had about a few of the documentaries that we've covered so far is that, um, you know, they try to fit way too much into 50 minutes to an hour. And this one, I felt like I thought it was a good amount of information, like, a, you know, two series that were amazing series. They really covered those. And then they covered the backgrounds of, you know, the Pacers versus the Knicks and state against state coach versus coach Reggie Miller versus Spike Lee. Like they went into all that stuff and I thought it was enough. And, and like I said, I think it's cool that they covered it, even though it never ended up in a championship. I think it was worth telling. I definitely agree with the statement that I love the idea of doing a documentary, not just because a team Mm -hmm. won a championship. Like that's, it's so much more, um, I respect it so much more the idea to do a documentary about, you know, just a storyline that happened or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, they're definitely like, if every documentary was about the greatest player or, you know, a championship, then it's just boring. And it's Um, also just, and and this is also like a great way to feature kind of what you were saying, Nick, about like smaller markets. mm -hmm. Like how great is it that the Pacers have this documentary to look back on at a great time to be a fan of the Pacers, you know, we're like, Um, even though they didn't have that championship to their name, they still can like look back on this fondly. And I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is cool. What did you guys um, think of the, uh, the really famous Reggie Miller moment that I'm sure all of us have seen a hundred times, but I, I guess I can describe it quick and then ask you what your thoughts on it were, but there's like 18.7 seconds left. Pacers are down by six um, in game one of the 1995 playoffs, uh, Pacers Knicks. Pacers are down six. Um, Reggie Miller hits a three. Then he proceeds to get a steal and hit it, like go behind the three-point line again really quick, throws it up, hits another three. They tie the game. Um, And then basically chaos ensues. There's missed free throws. The Knicks end up that Knicks end up missing free throws. Reggie Miller gets the ball. They they follow him and then he hits two free throws. Um, And some call it like the biggest meltdown ever in the NBA. A, a bunch of people have said like they've never seen anything like it. Um, so I guess what did you guys think of that moment? And did it like meet your expectations based on what you've seen before and with all the background and stuff? Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, um, I don't know how long it had been since I saw, you know, his eight points in nine seconds um, type of a type of deal. Um so it was interesting recapping that. Obviously, he had great uh, court awareness or game awareness to, you know, hit the three. And then once he got the steal to turn around and then shoot the three. I didn't realize there was so much time that had happened, like uh, real time, not game time, that had happened between that second three and then, you know, the foul to um, to send the Knicks to the line. They missed two free throws and then. Um, to send him back to the line once uh, once Reggie got fouled. So that part was interesting to me, um, you know, just in watching. I knew that this was going to be the historic um, eight points of Reggie Miller type of thing. Um, but even in watching it, I felt like it was like two minutes off the clock. There had to have been. And then I rechecked and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, you know, nothing had been gone. Um unpopular take i think he got away with a couple of fouls that they that they let go but i mean that's what i was gonna ask what you guys think of the the shove or whatever yeah i i you know let him play in the last 20 seconds but didn't he get away with uh shoving um now i'm forgetting the guard's name from from the next didn't he get away with shoving him down like right in that same sequence too 
Or yeah, was Sharon, you talking about Stark? Yeah, or was that earlier, maybe, before? Um, maybe. Like, I think it might have been they were 30 seconds left, and that's when they started the clip, and then they, like, played it down until the 17, and then um, and that, that's when he hit his first three or something like that. But anyways, um, back to the more uh, um, more popular or more controversial one uh, with the steal. What did you guys think of that? I mean, I, yeah, I thought it was probably a foul, Sam. Yeah, I like the no call there. Just yeah. because I guess we got to see the end result of it, and I really like the end result. But uh, I guess just looking at it, I, I could totally see why the refs were like, oh, I'm not going to call that. I like so if they call that if they call it right there like the game's totally over yeah. and that that's not a reason why the refs like shouldn't call it I guess but it, it also I, I thought was like a perfect opportunity just to let it play out and like it kind of looks like he was falling a little bit bef- before Reggie Miller put his hands on him so <laughs> I, I like it mostly because the out-of-bounds guy was already out of control and so I felt like they had to yeah. call either a five-second count I didn't count mm-hmm. to see if it actually was five seconds but he had been really close and so I, I feel mm-hmm. like it was going to be a turnover either way. So they shouldn't bail that guy out with a foul there. Kind of like when someone's out of control and, uh, and then it's like a block charge. Uh, if the, if the uh, offensive person is out of control, then I'm going to you know side with the um, offensive foul more often than, you know, even if the person's feet weren't set mm-hmm. perfectly. I just watched um... – the Tracy McGrady 13 points in 33 seconds. How do you guys think it compares to that? Obviously, oh man, T Mac was um, a regular season game or whatever. Um, but what, what, how do you think that stacks up? I would have to rewatch that one, but I do Me remember too. it just being un- unbelievable yeah. um, at the time. And it's just one of those things like, how many times could that same sequence be played out in like a thousand, like, say it's played out a hundred times? Or a thousand times, how many times like are they actually scoring eight or thirteen points? You know, like getting the exact steal, throwing it up, it goes in. Like I, I just, it's so rare and it's like such a unique moment that it, it's very cool as a sports fan to look back. Well, on it's those. like Reggie's second three of that sequence. I mean, he was doing like a at least ninety degree turn as he was shooting there, you know, in the mm-hmm. air. So it's like, you know, how how hard those shots are just normally and then you add in like the theatrics of this that the situation requires as well right right that it was the postseason in that like arena it makes it a little more but obviously t-max was more points Mm -hmm. to basically millers was essentially two threes yeah you know the free throws um but yeah, I feel like everything has to go right in a sequence like that when you're down, you know, eight points or six points mm-hmm. with 18 seconds left. Like, holy, holy cow, what a moment. Um, what was the game that it was after that game? I think it was when in, the, in his post game interview, Miller said, um, John Starks choked, and then he's like, Yeah, we're awesome. The, the, John Starks choked. What, like, I thought, What the heck? <laughs> Like, what a jerk! Right? <laughs> like that—that's just unsportsmanlike to me. And I, I like a lot. I don't mind most trash talking. Sure. And I, I think like, it kind of like that sucked. I think it really shows like how different the NBA is now compared to what it was mm. back then. Where back then it was like my team versus your team. Like, 
there was very little mingling between teams it seemed like and now like you would never see that probably except maybe Dame Lillard but that's about it <laughs> <laughs> are you saying the AAU culture of the NBA now <laughs> yes exactly which brings me to I have a question written down for you guys yeah. uh, which current NBA player reminds you of Reggie Miller I had this. Oh. I, I I just randomly thought of it during uh during the doc, and now I've completely forgot. So, um, mine, the one that comes immediately to my head is Clay Thompson. Okay, and I have a different hmm. one that popped into my head. Who, who do you got? For me, it was uh Russell Westbrook. Okay. Not because of the game, but obviously, but be more just because of like the attitude and like how he's not necessarily friends with everybody sure i I don't necessarily think it exactly fits though i'm just thinking that off the top of my head and i like don't think clay thompson necessarily fits i viewed it more from like a game perspective like awesome shooter tall lanky wing Um, clay talks too though yeah that's true i mean not not a who do you think talks nowadays nba the most what did you say what'd you say who do you think talks trash the most nowadays Patrick Beverly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, Dame Lillard has like this confident swagger to him, but it's that's not like a trash talk, really. No, I feel like it's more business. Just yeah, right. Oh man, that's a that's a good question. Probably not anyone as much as Reggie Miller. No, nowadays I don't think he would get away with it. Was Reggie Miller liked? Like, was he a likable figure when he was in the NBA or, like, during this time, despite the trash talking? Do you guys know? I vaguely think he was not. I I sort of, just from what I've heard people say, it sort of makes me think he was a little bit like a Draymond. Uh, Like, um... That's another. Like, where, like, you want him on your team. Yeah. thing. That's I'm actually, not sure exactly though. That's actually who I was just gonna say talks the most trash. Yeah, that's, probably Jeremy Green. <laughs> I was gonna say that. <laughs> that's actually a good name. Um, and what did you guys think of? Like that series ends up going to Game Seven, and there's a few seconds left, and Patrick Ewing drives and oh, misses man. a layup to win the game. I feel um, so bad for Patrick Ewing. <laughs> Between this yeah. and the last dance, like. <laughs> I just feel so bad. He seems like a lovable guy, like this big old, you know, monster and and everything. Um, yeah, I, I think. Be, I mean, you can try to explain something like that uh, in the, in the moments of, of like, oh, his calf was bothering me. Thought there was going to be contact there. Um, you know, I'm sure all that played a factor, but um, ultimately, he just. Um, I mean, he missed it. You should have used his, should have used the backboard, I guess, just like any fifth grade coach would tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he takes that shot a hundred times, he probably makes it like ninety yeah. plus. You know, it's such an easy look for him, especially for someone who's seven feet tall. Right. And I thought he should have taken walk. another dribble, maybe, but then there's there's the time coming down, and then you could argue that the another dribble would have slowed him enough where like that defender could have made a bigger um, impact on it, the help defender. But yeah, I mean, like mm-hmm. you said, ninety nine times out of hundred, he's probably making that one. 
Uh, my thought of it wasn't about the basketball. It was that they took way too long talking about it. <laughs> it was like they put, they showed it from every angle and then they paused it or went super slow mo and had these pe- all these people talk about it. And it's like, yeah, we get it already. You know, we it's not like we didn't know he was gonna miss as soon as they started talking. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a two minute oh, intro into it, and I was like, "All right." It was like, "Whoa, <laughs> okay." And honestly, that's a lot of my issue with the second half of this it, the whole thing. Is like, it it felt too drawn out. Um, it was a hundred. It was an hour and eleven minutes, um, and it just felt like it felt like it was that long. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. To me, I just started to get. I don't know. Just like there was too much, with not enough stuff in it. Give us your give us your yeah, rating. Roll right into it. Summary. Yeah. Oh well, I'll give you my rating one second before the one of my favorite parts was the Cheryl Miller mm, stuff sure. where yeah she it's was talking mention. about when they were both talking about when they played high school at the same time. She was probably like two three years older, and she was like you know the best player in the country or one of them, and he had like forty games forty points in his game as he was getting picked up by his dad and his sister. His like, breakout games, breakout. Yeah, yeah, one of his best ever games, and they were talking about how good he was and how good he played and. And then finally he asked his sister, um, so how'd you do? And, and she's like, oh, I had a pretty good game. And he's like, what, you had like 60 points? That's pretty good. And then she's like, and they're like, yeah, 105. 105 <laughs> points in high school game. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, then it shows like all the headlines and stuff that came up because of that 100, all yeah. the media coverage that she got because of it. And yeah, it was just hilarious that he thought he was just a big deal, like got poked playing on varsity gets 40 his first big breakthrough and then his sister's like nah i'm way better than you (laughs) and and it was cool that they also just talked a lot about how she used to just like beat him consistently like she would absolutely wreck him on the basketball court and i thought that was hilarious like how do you like you can't even score 105 points as a team in high school like that's <laughs> impossible right yeah that was crazy and it yeah it was like a national story like like a record or something anyway sure that was awesome for 30. But... <laughs> yeah exactly i would rather honestly... <laughs> okay i'll roll into my, my there it is this. i would rather documentary on her than him <laughs> after watching this one <laughs> Hey, like, maybe that maybe that's gonna be my uh, wish list documentary. You guys. Yeah, there you go. Just serve it up for you. Because, yeah. So I feel like they had to stretch out the Spike Lee story. The thing, um, just to be in, because like in the middle is when they're supposed to, the stuff that's most important is supposed to be happening. The details, blah blah blah. And the middle of it was just this Spike Lee rivalry where he grabbed his crotchal area and said you're choking and then they broke that down for a while with the movie director (laughs) like okay i don't know um and then i thought there was some negligence in the storytelling in terms of it felt a little bit like when you're like in college or high school or whatever and you get like you decide to write your paper on this topic you know whatever topic and then you realize like halfway through your research or your writing that like oh yeah this this doesn't really this is a terrible idea and then you just kind of bs your way through it and like <laughs> they they decided to do a, a documentary on reggie miller versus the new york knicks but like it was the whole it was the whole pacers versus like it, it would have been a way better to me if it was just the pacers versus the knicks rivalry and they did that or if they did patch uh patrick ewing 
versus Reggie Miller. And they dove deep into both of them uh, their whole life and that specific smaller rivalry or something. I don't know. Sure. Um, I thought about that too. And, and yeah. And then it like, not, and I know we talked about not ending a championship, but like neither team won a championship. It was like, it was like a rivalry of the losers. (laughs) Yeah. And it like, they didn't even mention like the context of like what happened after. And so what's your, so you got to give us your rating now. I'm giving it a 4.3 puppets. Holy. Yeah. It's it might be my worst rating. It's, um, no, you had 4.1. Jimmy degree. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, 4.3 what? Because the puppet, because there was this, this Indiana Pacers fan that had a puppet at like the pep rally some weird puppet that's and he said boom baby in one of the scenes and he looked hilarious um wow yeah i, I wasn't was expecting really... that low of a rating from you ren you I take know. it sam I... bring us up <laughs> yeah all right sam going next. <laughs> wow okay. i'm gonna bring the positivity to this one i loved this documentary i actually did i thought it was fantastic i i loved the beginning starting off with a little opera music and then you know it it picks up a little bit they're showing highlights and then it's you know state versus state or city versus city um talks about the rivalry between the coaches it's it's about two figures you know reggie miller spike lee um two figures that we all have gotten to know as sports fans and like reggie miller's you know an analyst in today's nba um, and someone that I didn't know a whole lot about leading into this. So we get to know the backstory but behind them and a little bit more about why they're so famous and great at what they do. Um, and it, yeah, I just, I, I love, like I said, I thought that there was, it wasn't like so much crammed into this hour documentary that it was nope, like, wow, it they, wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I disagree. I think like it, there wasn't so much crammed into it that it was like, wow, we didn't really get, the whole thing I, I liked the fact that um there was less information in it and they covered the two series and gave a little background on all of them and so with all that being said i'm gonna give this one an 8.25 cheryl's <laughs> oh because um cheryl miller is his sister and they used to mock reggie miller and they would just chant cheryl cheryl <laughs> cheryl so, yeah, I completely disagree. I really, I liked this one, and I, I thought it was really well done and what a documentary should be. So I went 8.25. All right. Split, split the difference or do whatever you're going to do. <laughs> what difference be about six? Um, I'm citing more Sam than on this one. So, um, Ren, I hear you as far as everything you're saying. Um, I, I wanted to give this higher, and then as the documentary just went on, it was just kind of decreasing as it went I guess but um, I I did like the rivalry Um, I liked learning more about Reggie Miller I I feel like I know him more post post career uh, more than Mm -hmm. um, than anything before this at least Um, I I liked uh, you know just kind of looking back and looking at the Knicks that sort of thing some of those um, seemingly less important events did or not that they were less important, um, but they seemed less important for how much uh, publicity or, or focus they got during the uh, documentary did go on. Um, I, I did feel like it 
I don't know if I want to say like it, it lacked direction, but I'm trying to think of how I exactly mm-hmm. want to say it. Um, but I feel like they started off with the whole headbutt thing. And um, I was like, oh, when did that happen? I was expecting them to use that and then like kind of go in the past and then bring you up to that point and then into the future again. And it was just like, no, that was like the year before every, or like the next thing happened. And they went more chronological um, a little bit back um, with Cheryl and, and growing up and everything. Um, I would like to see a little more. Um, I, I, I think it was you Ren that said um, like, you know, uh, Reggie Miller versus uh, Patrick Ewing uh, kind of going throughout their whole careers, that sort of an aspect. That would have been cool um, because I do mm-hmm. have written down, like I wanted to know more about Reggie Miller um, before getting in the league. Um, just in brief research, he was a pretty dynamite player in college too. So um, that would have piqued an interest for me. Um, yeah. So just a couple of things that, um, that I felt like, you know, were missing within that, but, um, you know, I did, uh, I thought it had its, um, edginess, uh, with all the trash talking and had its, um, you know, a couple of different points of the storyline. And, um, overall I'm going to say seven, uh, um, seven white bowls, um, out of 10 and, and where that white bowls comes from is the last, uh, interview in the documentary and it's actually after some of the credits start um was that like uh what's his name he had a yankees hat on um Rappaport. yeah thank you um so they're interviewing him and i didn't even pay attention i mean i was kind of walking around getting a drink of water and, and it was on in the background but i heard the music and so it was it had to have been during a halftime performance at an nba game and it was red panda have you guys ever seen red panda at a halftime show Yes. yes. I have. So it was. Have you seen it, Ren? Oh, you no. gotta Google it. So it's. Uh, so it's this uh, lady that's on a u- unicycle. Oh. And, and she's flipping the cups onto her head. And and I've seen it a couple times from going to Gopher games, and I just love it, and I'm obsessed with it. And and my wife just rolls her eyes at it, and so immediately, like I heard that music, and I was like hell yeah <laughs> like we were going for this like it's just made it it saved the documentary at the end i'll say that but then you're <laughs> then you're really mad because you're like how could they be interviewing during such an right. important moment show the clip show the clip <laughs> yeah. yeah um one thing or a couple of things that i want to add also on the positive side ren is that <laughs> I thought there were some really, really good interviews. Basically, everyone who played a role in, like, the series or, um, you know, the history between the two franchises um, was interviewed for this. So I thought those were really awesome. And then also, I just thought that, you know, the coverage of the um, eight points in nine seconds was was cool because you got to learn about a moment in sports history that we all have seen a bunch of times. So those are two other positives that I liked about it. Yeah, I I definitely agree, and I I honestly agree with your argument overall too. The I, yeah, the interviews were amazing. Like, mm-hmm. and I think it was partly because a lot of the guys, like, not a lot, but some of them worked for ESPN, and but like they literally got everyone you could want to hear from about these different, um, you know, things that happened. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, I stand by my. My reading. Wow, so yeah, eight eight point two five seven and four point three. That's definitely out of all the podcast or all the documentaries we've seen so far. That is like the greatest uh, difference between you know we we've all kind of viewed mm-hmm. them similarly so far, and 
This one yeah. he clearly didn't, so that's interesting. I think another big part of why I was because I the first quarter of it, I was like, Oh, this is gonna be maybe the my favorite one. And then after went that it like went straight downhill. Sure. I I will agree. Like at first I was like, Holy cow, like I'm gonna give this one a really, really high score, like nine, I was thinking, and then as it went on I started to think, you know, maybe eight, something like that. Yeah. It, it does get worse as time goes on, but I still liked it. Mine was down to okay. six, and then at children, I read, uh, I just heard the music of Red Panda at the end, so I had to bring <laughs> Brought it up. <laughs> no, you're, you're at my yeah. rate, You're at 4.3, and then that took it up. Like Imagine if they would have showed Red Panda. <laughs> we had a recreate of scale. <laughs> no, we, we've never had perfect score, but it might have been tonight. <laughs> All right, guys. Okay, let's go to our traditional Mount Rushmore game. Um, today we're, we're we decided like we're getting a little too heavy with with sports. We need to we need to take a breath. We're doing mm-hmm. something separate from sports. We're not doing all time favorite Reggie Miller trash talk sentences. We're doing um, Mount Rushmore of fast food restaurants. Or, you know, fast casual, as Alex called them, because fast food, it can have different categories. So this is a wide category. Um, it's a often played game. Not often, but I feel like it's, you know, it's if you've talked, it's a, something that comes up in conversation sometimes. What's your favorite restaurant? So we're doing top four. Um, and I honestly don't remember who goes first. It's not me, though. So someone me. go. <laughs> Nick is first, yeah. And so our definition, yeah. our loose definition, it's kind of one of those things you you know it when you see it, I guess. Um, but it, it's like ordering and your food, uh, you don't have a waiter or a waitress, and your food is coming within uh, like five uh-huh. minutes or something like that. It's kind of our um, our definition yes. um, to yeah. make it at least concise. Um, yeah, because I, I mean, I did think originally I thought it was like a little bit more strict, whereas like the McDonald's, the Taco Bells, but like we're extending this to, you know, the, the little nicer than that. It can, it can be both, but it's, yeah, it's like, I think the main thing you're talking about, Nick, when defining this was like no waiter and pretty fat, pretty immediate ser- food service, I guess. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll lead us off. Uh, so I am going to, you know, I, I thought about this first pick. Uh, should I should I draft uh, compared to the competition and you guys uh, what I think um, you know will be gone by um, the time around or should I just take best available and uh, you know with the number one pick you just got got to always take best available so uh, I'm going with Chick Fil A uh, great mm. chicken great uh, Chick Fil A sauce uh, amazing <laughs> shakes uh, I would eat there every day if I could. And, and uh, it was it was a little healthier, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, to this day, and am- what? And amazing service. And amazing service, too. I mean, I, I just always leave there with a smile on my face. Uh, you know, my pleasure. Well, it's my pleasure dining at Chick-fil-A, too. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then, I mean, it extends all the way to their app. They give me a lot of free Chick-fil-A sandwiches. And then I'll just pick one up on my way home. And that's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just have it the next day for lunch because what's almost as good as regular Chick-fil-A is refrigerated Chick-fil-A the next day at work. So, Wow, I can't say I've ever tried that. Uh, pro tips, right? 
Wow. Well, there is another pro tip is like the, if the twins hit it yes. this season, oh, yeah. the next day you get a free sandwich. What? Yeah. Yeah. Since when? Yeah. And they hit a lot of doubles. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have to go to the game? game? No. no. I've done it a couple of times and I just say, can I go the twins hit a double yesterday? Can I get a sandwich? Like, yep. My pleasure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even um, if they didn't, they would still give it to you probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, All right, Ryan. Yeah. Um, I'm overjoyed that my number one pick is still on the list because I eat here all the time, more than any of the rest of mine, all of these combined, whatever we say. Um, Chipotle. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I I just lived in Hawaii for two years, and before that I lived in Rapid City, South Dakota, for two years, and neither of those places have a Chipotle. Um, like, the whole state of Hawaii doesn't have a Chipotle. And it's in the middle of the ocean. So, like, I came back here and I, I was eating Chipotle, like, twice a week at least. And, like, I still, like, I mean, I love it. It's delicious and it's pretty healthy. And, I yeah, I liked, for a while there, I was, like, playing golf a whole bunch. I would, like, play around a golf, go eat Chipotle. Like, that was my routine, my daily routine. So, it's delicious. My order, what's my order? It's a bowl, white rice, no beans, fajita veggies, chicken. Uh, pico, hot salsa, cheese, and lettuce, and it's delicious. You get the shell on the oh, side. That's the yeah ticket. tortilla on the side. About to oh, oh, warmed yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, that's the absolute ticket. I it's so good. That's a good pick. Yeah. But my next pick is better than both of your picks combined. All right, hit oh, me blah, blah. with the third overall pick. I'm going with Culver's. Okay, I, I'm, nice. I'm from Wisconsin. It's a Wisconsin-based company. They have a better brand of beef makes Butterburger better. Like, come on. (laughs) So good. They have amazing burgers. They have chicken tenders. They have cheese curds, amazing fries, and custard to top it off. Like, you kidding me? All right. Have you had their corn dogs? They're also good. Yes. I used to get corn dogs as a kid there. That's what I always get, get too. Yes. I yeah, the, I mean having cheese curds that's amazing. I never knew yeah. the uh, infatuation with Culver's um, until college that you know anybody from Wisconsin had. You know, I always viewed it like growing up. I was like, you know what, like you know, it's definitely like top tier fast food. Um, you know, like it better than than the mainstays, I guess, fast food wise. Um, but then I remember going on a uh, on a trip or like a cross country trip. And then Sam was just in love with Culver's and just talking all about oh it. God. And I was like, okay, yeah. that's kind of weird, but. Oh my god! Wait, gosh, so Sam, yes. what's your what's your main traditional order for lunch that you get? Oh, you get most of the time. All right, I'll take like a double butter burger basket, mm-hmm. and then fries, and then usually I get an order of cheese curds separate from the fries. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't replace them. I I get <laughs> not messing around and here. Then, no, I'm going like if I'm going to Culver's, like I want to leave hating myself. That's usually my. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then as as I'm leaving, I usually go chocolate custard with marshmallow fluff and brownie pieces. Whoa! Unreal so marshmallow good. fluff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a game changer. Try it next time. I used to get, um, I mean, I usually get the butter burger too. I mean, I haven't been there in a while, but I used to get the Reuben, which is pretty good. It's very oily. Um, but like th- that's the good thing they have these different items like the cheese mm-hmm. curds and oh. fish fries. Also, fries. their root beer float is really good. Oh, I've never had that. Yes, yeah. that is because they have their own root beer, and then the custard yeah. in there. 
I can attest to that. Yeah. Man, I'm getting... Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> what are you guys doing after this? Let's well, go. Culver's <laughs> is closed, so... <laughs> I'm raiding the fridge, yeah. All right. With my second pick, I'm going to go with my second favorite fast food restaurant, and that is Taco John's. Oh, wow. Um, they So they have amazing potato lays, higher mm. quality than Taco Bell. Um, and so they also have Taco Tuesday. And the funny story is that in high school, my friends and I were obsessed with Taco John's. And uh, one, I once ate Taco John's on Tuesdays. I went 66 consecutive Tuesdays to Taco John's. <laughs> Yeah, we go after practice. <laughs> That's over a year. Yeah, we go every Tuesday after practice. And, like, it got to the point where, like, the manager knew us and stuff. So they would have, like, free – they give us, like, free sodas. And, like, if I was ever in the paper for running or something, she would, like, have printed out – or cut out the article from the paper and have it sitting, like, on a tray for me, waiting for me on Tuesday afternoons. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It was it was the best. So Kelly, if you're listening, I, I love you and thank you for all the tacos over the years. How is that not your number one? Now you're you should be ashamed. I know. I feel like. I, it was close. It was close. But because Culver's is Wisconsin based, I'm going with that. And like also, yeah. uh, I, my wife and I just bought a house, and I always said like if there's ever two fast food places I want within like a mile or two of my house, it's Culver's and Taco John's and I have a Culver's and a Taco John's within two miles. So oh, wow. I'm going to probably gain like 50 pounds this year and be poor, but it's worth it. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. That's man. a great story. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to make mine freaky fast. Uh, my uh, next one, I'm going Jimmy John's. Nice. Um, I, the bread is delicious. Uh, there and it's like it's not quite as bad for you i feel like um but yeah i enjoy a lot of their different sandwiches i usually go with the Vito, which is i believe the number five which is like italian style yeah um but yeah it's it's super good super fast and the bread is delicious i, I delivered for jimmy john's in college oh nice fun fact i didn't know that yeah it was the best it was a good gig nice i used to eat like three sandwiches a week and was addicted but so good. So if any of your followers are uh, wondering, yes, Sam has a fast food addiction. So and, and yes, he thought of <laughs> yeah, this, this, his uh, idea. this topic as well. So <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a problem, listeners. No wonder you're always running. <laughs> All, right. All right, Nick. I got two back to back. So um, first one is going to be Dairy Queen. Um, so, uh, my trend is ice cream involvement within a fast food is a game changer for me, but, um, I feel like Dairy Queen is always part of your small town starter packs, I believe they call them. Um, and so, uh, my, my hometown, uh, had a Dairy Queen, uh, and, and that was, uh, the dream, uh, just going there for ice cream, um, or going on cross country practice. And, and we had a route called Dairy Queen route where we simply walk, uh, run to Dairy Queen and back. Um, but it was always uh, uh, the tradition to always get ice cream. Hopefully uh, one of our teammates or friends was working there so we could get free ice cream uh, to run on the way back. Otherwise someone was supposed to have their uh, either, well, preferably their parents' credit card or uh, some sort of credit card <laughs> where we could have uh, ice cream on the way back. But I also love their, I like their food uh, too. I feel like for uh, one of the faster food places, it's pretty good. Uh, I just get like chicken vendors, so it can't really go wrong there. 
but uh, okay, I have two yeah. questions for you after this. Number one is, what do you feel about? How do you feel about their toast? That's in the it, that is variable. I would say. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, so that. so it it can be good, but man, sometimes they slap so much butter on there that uh, that that it's like not good. Um, and then, what is the Wasika starter pack? So, oh yeah, that's a good question. So um, it's different than, than what I, uh, like what I would say now versus when I was growing up. For me growing up. How about when you're growing it up? It was yeah. basically Dairy Queen, Subway. Um, they had a Taco John's, but I never went there because I was a picky kid. <laughs> um, and uh, El Molino's, uh, which, which is like a, oh. a hometown um, uh, a Mexican food restaurant. Um, but but yeah, basically, yeah. Wasika started pack. <laughs> it makes it sound pretty lame, but uh, it was just Dairy Queen and Subway. Nick, I have a question. For yes. You. Uh, is it true that you did not eat? Was it a burger from a fast food restaurant until college? I have only ever ate one, <laughs> uh, two fast food burgers in my life, and the first one Dude. was in in college. Uh, we went to Wendy's. And I was so hungry. I don't remember what meat it was, but I just remember just being like, I'm putting it all on the line and I got to, I got to ruin this, this uh, fact about myself. Cause I mean, until then wow. it's like, you either got to be on one extreme, you know, like you can be like everybody else or you can be different. And then you can just say like that, that fun <laughs> fact and, and people like Sam remember it for forever. And I'm like, just known <laughs> as the weird kid, which I'm fine with. Like, at least I'm remembered for something. Yeah, that's true. So, you're like, yeah. You're like the person who's never seen The Office. It's like, what the <laughs> hell, dude? Well, I've never seen Star Wars. So it's, <laughs> that's another thing. Uh, another one for me where it's just like, everyone's like, you're stupid. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to keep rolling with it, though. <laughs> Wait, so why, how did it start? Do you not like burgers in general? Um, yeah, I think I, I, I just associated it growing up. Oh, there was a McDonald's growing up um, and, and Pizza Ranch in, in Wasika. Sorry, I was drawing a blank. Of course, um, Pizza Ranch. So, yeah, yeah, Pizza Ranch and McDonald's have to be there. Um, and then started back. But uh, we would always go to McDonald's. And one, I was, um, like I said, I was a picky eater growing up. Um, and I just, my default was always chicken nuggets or, or chicken tenders or whatever, um, the restaurant had. And so whenever we would go to McDonald's, I would just get, uh, chicken nuggets. And for some reason I thought, um, after seeing all of my friends, uh, just slam so many, um, you know, burgers from McDonald's, I thought that was like the grossest thing ever. And, um, and, and that, so you, so you chick- think I'm gross. Is what you're yeah, yeah, basically <laughs> like you're the scum <laughs> of the earth. Um, and, and, and for some reason I thought, you know, chicken nuggets were like a higher class. Like I could trust them more, <laughs> which clearly is not true, but you know, just like, uh, you know, just like they talked about in the documentary of Reggie Miller and, and, and like MJ making up things to, to slight themselves to you know, motivate them for better things. I would do the same within uh, my choice of fast food <laughs> and uh yeah i would always just have chicken nuggets so that's how it all started and then uh and then i just kind of kind of went with it until that i ruined it in college. but i i bet i've had over a thousand fast food burgers like easily <laughs> in my life holy <laughs> easily oh that's funny oh all man. Right. that's hilarious what's your number three all right so going with the theme uh of chicken um uh, i gotta go with uh chicken chicken what's your chicken from uh raisin canes 
uh, whether yeah. it's a, wow. whether it's a late night eat uh, after a, a gopher game, uh, football or basketball, um, or just, uh, you know, something really fast and, and still having good food. Um, Raising Cane's has to be there. And I just love that, you know, that's like their tagline. It's one love. Like the only thing they do is chicken fingers. And that's like my ideal, like, especially like 10 year old uh, ideal fast food restaurant. So, <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. We had no idea. <laughs> they're so, um, they're oh, so good. Raising Cane's. Yeah. yeah I agree. Um, I'm up, correct? Yes. I'm going to go with Leon Chin. Mm. for me lian chin i like used to eat that a lot orange chicken with noodles or or fried rice uh and like an egg roll is like so good it's also really bad for you yes um it's like tons of sugar um but it's so like indulgent i feel like it's like yeah i don't know i just really liked it used to go there in like high school a lot um and yeah that's pretty much all i have and like panda express is pretty much the same to me they're all their pretty much their dishes taste really similar and i also like panda express a lot so kind of same thing nice it's a good choice i like that yeah um all right i'm up i got back to back this is tough i'm gonna go with one that i think is extremely underrated and that is papa murphy's oh yeah and you can go and you tell them what you want on your pizza. They give it to you, not cooked. And then you take it home, you throw it in the oven, and it's hot whenever you want it. Um, I usually, on Tuesdays, they have $10 larges. Any large you want is $10. So, like, once a week, we'll usually get it. Um, like, on my way home from uh, work or school or whatever, I'll I'll grab it and – um yeah i really like it it's really good good quality pizza do you go with your uh uh, create your own or do you do one of theirs uh i usually do one of the specials okay Uh, there's so many of them that i'll mix it up like yeah never i haven't gotten the same one like back to back in a long time you know just like oh last week i got this one i'll try this one this time sure we always pretty much as long as they don't have olives on it sure you get the same one yeah i we're opposite uh again uh we basically get the same one every time so i love ten dollar tuesday yeah. you the one by us used to do just one dollar more for a family size um so i called in one time and they're like oh do you want to like do a family size for one dollar more i'm like duh <laughs> and uh <laughs> now i think it's three dollars more but um yeah we always get the uh chicago stuffed crust pizza which is like the just the uh hugest one ever um but i feel like i'm getting more bang for my buck and then i get like four lunches out of it for the week so anyway yeah it's so the stuffed ones are so thick yeah. so much pizza thick all right thick with confuse <laughs> oh man i think i think with the last one do i want to go traditional here or get a little different huh just don't let any childhood heroes down. Ooh, that's changing <laughs> my last pick. <laughs> All right. I, then I'm going to go with Auntie Anne's. Oh, oh interesting. I didn't yeah. think about that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I wanted to go a little bit different. It was between this one and McDonald's because I love McDonald's. And it's like when you think mm. of fast food, you think McDonald's. But yeah. when you're walking through a shopping mall 
and you smell Auntie Anne's pretzels. There is no better sensation. <laughs> like, I'm immediately like, I walk into a mall, I smell that. I'm immediately like, here's my wallet. <laughs> Take like $11 or whatever. I will order two pretzels if I'd have to. Like, I just need to satisfy m- myself with, with some Auntie Anne's every time I'm at the mall. So that's what I'm going with. The smell is almost as good as the taste. So Love it. Uh, that's a, a good call. I didn't really think about that. Um, I'm next to round it out. I have a couple on my list, um, but I'm going to go Taco Bell nice. because to me, if like I, if like health was no issue and like feeling bad about myself, it was no issue. That would be my number one go-to to like just pig out, like eat a whole bunch it would be because like there, I feel like there's so many things in the menu that yes. I really like. It's the best and bang for your buck too, for sure. It it that's true, and it's a, it's like the maybe the best drunk food. Yes, absolutely. Like like yeah. No drunk person um, has ever been like, no, don't take me to Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. Um, the I mean the the quesadilla is is amazing. Crunchwrap is good. Just a straight up sachel taco is really good. Dorito taco is good. So, but um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I just had one more thing on the menu: the cheeserito, which is not on a lot of at a lot of stores, but it used to be at more uh, growing up. And I don't know if it's completely gone or not. But like, I've been in other states and they don't have it. It's basically like cheese. And like this tomato mixture sauce in a burrito. It's like a smaller burrito. It's really good. Dang, that does sound good. Uh, I, yeah. I used to do this thing in high school where I would order a uh, chicken quesadilla and then I would eat like half of it. And then I would go up and be like, hey, could you guys just throw this back in the oven? Like the cheese wasn't very melted because they have a rule. They have a rule where they don't take anything back. So, so I'd go up and they'd be like, "Oh no, we we can't take it back. So uh, you can just have that one, and we'll just make you a new one." So then gotta be two. kidding me! <laughs> oh my god! So then I get two chicken quesadillas for the price of one. <laughs> you psycho! <laughs> this guy Very knows effective. his fast food. <laughs> Yeah, this is like I did not know what we were walking into when we did this. Yeah, this is like my area of expertise for real. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow, that's amazing! Well, I don't know how to top that one. (laughs) Um, oh man, I I'm gonna go off of Ren's comment. I was I was fully prepared to do something else with my last pick here, but I gotta stay true to 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 where I came from. We're going back to the starter pack series, and I gotta go Subway. <laughs> Eat fresh. I gotta, so not that great now. I mean, I can't even tell you the last time I well, I ate it probably a couple of months ago, but um, more so just because that's all we had Monsika for for sandwich at least, and that was like the pregame meal. And so like for basketball, I had Subway before every game. Uh, and, and my, this is so bad. My pregame meal would be a foot long subway club with lettuce and extra mayonnaise and then three cookies. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, nice. and that was when the Carbo. cookies were actually large. 
not as large as they like were at one time, but like not as small as they were are now. But anyways, yes, that uh, <laughs> that's got to be the last one just for for where it's brought me to this day. That's, wow, that that's a good one. Like it, it's one of the basics of fast food. Yeah. I feel like. I uh I did this exercise like a couple months ago. Somebody asked me if you could only eat four fast food places for the rest of your life, what are you going with? And that completely changes everything. Like you sure. can only eat the, at those restaurants because then you have to put health into it. Yeah, which is like a whole. It's a game. Oh, you can't eat anything else. Yeah, you can only eat those four, oh. and so you got to start thinking like different meals and, and yeah, variety Subway's definitely too. on that list. It's, yeah, because like Subway, you can get all sorts of different sandwiches yeah. and salads whatever so yeah yeah like looking at my list all of them are like chicken based so like that wouldn't be the smartest (laughs) that's your go-to yeah i'll go through them quick so nick had chick-fil-a dairy queen raising canes and subway ren went chipotle jimmy john's leanne chin taco bell and i went culver's taco john's papa murphy's auntie ann's right on these are all respectable. I really like the Culver's pick, to be honest. Thank you. Yeah. Just because they're so... That's what I was considering going so number cool. one, you know, playing the field. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, yeah, I felt like I was cheating um, the game a little bit. That's probably true. We probably all would have taken Culver's top three, I would think. I probably had him third. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're amazing. But that was definitely like our long... This is our longest episode because we just talked for 20 minutes about... Yeah. <laughs> about fast food. we care more about food yeah, than we... sports probably so <laughs> <laughs> okay with that said let's let's move it along then. Yeah. let's uh, um go on to our next segment which is our documentary wish list and we like to you know project forward what we might be a really fun sports documentary to watch in the future yeah um so go ahead what what do you think uh what do you think what kind of documentary should be made all right so i i have it this week and um, I was thinking, and, and there's been a lot of talk this week because the 76ers lost. And there's been a lot of talk that um, the process, which has been uh, going on in um, Philadelphia for a long time. Um, I looked it up ever since 2013, which is crazy. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but the process officially started in 2013. And it was basically a rebuild of the entire 76ers organization um, to try to get them to become relevant via the draft. And so they tanked year after year and just tried to acquire top talent in the draft. And, um, and it kind of worked, but kind of didn't. Um, they, you know, they have some really good superstars right now, but it, it's just not really meshing. They've missed on a few of their picks, which has really hurt them. Um, but I guess my idea for this documentary is more like a documentary series just on tanking in general and it could focus on teams that have recently focused on tanking. So I'm thinking like the 76ers, um, the Houston Astros at one point lost Mm -hmm. 106 games or more in three straight seasons, which is wild. Um, And then they they ended up being the success story of tanking because they ended Mm -hmm. up winning, you know, the world series recently um the chicago cubs lost a ton of games for a long time under theo epstein and um they ended up winning a world series so those are two success stories and then you have like the cleveland browns who under sashi brown um tried to tank as well and that didn't really work for them 
And so it, it, I just think the idea of tanking and, um, you know, trying to build by losing is, is really interesting. And um, it's something that like can really hurt, um, you know, the, the league itself at the time, but it could really help franchises in the end if they do it correctly. Um, and so I think it'd be really cool to do a, a series, like one episode is tied to each team and whether the tanking process was successful or not. And how transparent yeah, that's they were with it, yeah. too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because some of them are just very clear. Like, I remember the Cubs. I think Theo Epstein was just like, prepare to lose a lot for a little while. <laughs> and um, and then- Yeah, isn't that what the Marlins are doing now? But they're not being transparent about it? Probably. That sounds right. Like, Jeter is like, yeah, we, we want to win. But, like, they're trading every mm-hmm. single person away. Right. Yeah, and so yeah, you, that's a good point too. Just the transparency of it. Like, are are we actually gonna commit to this or not? And I feel like one of the main things is that it the well, at least with the unsuccessful ones that I just mentioned is, um, you know, they they go to this model of trying to tank, but then the owners get impatient about it, and then they fire the people who are there to tank in the first place and don't give them, you know, a chance to actually mm-hmm. fulfill what they're trying to do and. Uh, it's just an interesting process and something that I've been thinking about because of the the Sixers. That's a good idea. Yeah, and it would be an investment too because, yeah, like if tanking takes a long time to work, trust the process, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, that's my idea. Yeah, that'd be a good one. That's a good idea. All right, our next segment, uh, really just an ender, is is our, our look ahead. Uh What's next on the documentary document? Yeah, so the next one is uh, The Guru of Go. And so that's uh, looking at, um, <clears throat> at Loyola Marymount, a uh, college basketball team uh, with a uh, head coach of Paul Westhead. And uh, his, his main um, coaching style was, uh, was a new uh, cutting-edge, up-tempo um, system that led to um, – you know, uh, scoring records, uh, crazy high scoring games. Um, I believe still uh, a record uh, of points per game um, for a whole college basketball season and 122 points per game uh, for a team, which is just crazy. Um, and that was before the shot, the shot clock uh, changed recently to 30. I would imagine they had a shot clock then or else I don't know if that would have been able or been even possible, but um I'll have to look more into that. But then, yeah, so it's looking at them. And then uh, also they had to deal with the tragic death of uh, their star player uh, in one of the seasons that they're highlighting mm. too. So should uh, should mm. be a good one, I think. Dang. Nice. Looking forward to it. No, that's Sounds number good. Nine. Another... That's number nine already. Yeah. Wow. And we're going back to back on sports. And it's probably another uh, another first for uh, the documentary statisticians. Yeah, then um, we're going to go back to back to back because Allen Iverson's after that. Oh, dang. Yeah. All right. Well, we should probably end it because we went too long on fast food. But um, (laughs) uh, this was fun. The most disagreements we've had, I think. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And and the most passion when it comes to fast food, that's for sure. (laughs) Be sure to uh, follow us and subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Um, Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. See ya. I'm hungry. See ya.